everybody. We're a couple of annoyed grunt boys, and this is the 138th Simpsons Podcast. That's right, folks. We are the podcast that explores The Simpsons from seasons 11 and beyond. Why 11 and beyond, you may ask? Well, there's been 137 other podcasts that have explored the golden age, as we call it, of The Simpsons. The ones that we all know. The ones that we all love. But what if possibly there are other episodes that are great or okay or somewhere in between? Let's find out. I am, as I mentioned, half an hour grunt boy Steve. And with me, as always... Is the other half annoyed grunt boy, Craig? Craig, how are oh, you? Oh, how are you now? How are you now? Not so bad yourself. Not so bad yourself. How are you? Uh, not so bad. All right, All then. Right. Pitter patter. Let's get at her. Steve, uh, I think you have uh, some important announcement to make. It's true. Uh, after a lot of uh, waiting and hard work, podcast that I made with my wife, Let's Eat, is finally ready for release. My and wife. My wife. Uh, so it will be released, uh, if it's not already, it'll be releasing every Thursday uh, on all the platforms that you currently use to find your podcasts. Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa. Stop the presses. Yes, that takes every, four hours. Every Thursday, that's when this podcast drops. You expect our loyal listeners to listen to Half an Annoyed Grunt Boy twice the Thursday? You can wait till the weekend. It's more like a, it's a different tone. It's, you listen to it on the weekend while you're having your coffee and you think about what's for dinner or something. I don't know. All right, well... I'll allow, but bless yourself. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it's a fun show, and I, I'm really enjoying doing it. And, you know, it's a little different than what we do here, but if you like food and you like drinking, you might enjoy it. I do enjoy food, and I do enjoy the drinking. Yep, maybe uh, sometime you can be a guest. My schedule is looking pretty hectic. Oh, <laughs> somebody at the door. What? Who's at the door? <laughs> I don't want to check. I'm... I'm talking to you. Alrighty. Well, Steve, I think it's uh, time to get on with this week's episode. Alrighty, so we're talking about November 4th, 2012. Craig, what was uh, popular in the box office? Steve, it's everyone's favorite erection movie erection ralph i think you might have a different version than i saw uh but yes it was wreck it ralph really fun i enjoyed them yeah i enjoyed it i definitely enjoyed the first one more than the second but both were very good let's go out of the box office and into the music box office <laughs> yeah um <laughs> the number one song for that weekend was one more night by maroon five that awful awful band baby It's a bad song. I have a weird thing with Maroon 5. Yeah. I sometimes like their songs, uh-huh. and then I hate their songs. Mm-hmm. Hey, Soul Sister. Yeah. No, that's Train. That's Train, yeah. I, I get Maroon 5 and Train confused. Is that <laughs> is that a common? It's definitely not common. Common's the rapper. No, but I think that, 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 that could happen. Okay, I apologize. I Maybe it's Train that I'm thinking of that, like, I hate like their songs. They're a lot more hate-likable than Maroon 5 to me, who are just hateable. They're like, if a Target... And Walmart commercial fuck. Yeah. Well, okay, here we go. Trey, or Maroon 5, I liked the collaboration with Maroon 5 and Rihanna with, uh, If I never see your face again, I don't mind. Steve, do you remember when your wife and I used to karaoke? We would do a, a telephone by Lady Gaga. That's and right. Beyonce. Indeed, I remember that. Uh, back in the days when we had fun. Now, now we just, have a podcast. Where it's just nothing but uh, sadness and uh, that's it. Hmm. Well, speaking of sadness and whatnot, today <laughs> we're talking about Adventures in Baby Getting, the third episode of the 24th season. When Marge's car falls into a sinkhole, she has a problem with her new one. It won't fit the entire family if they include the baby she wants. And Bart tries to figure out why Lisa has written bizarre messages and is sneaking into town after school. That sounds like a very interesting episode I think we should watch. Let's watch it and uh, 
share our thoughts as we are wont to do. Hi, I'm Laura Lutz, co-host of the Glow and Tell podcast. And I'm Steve Lutz, co-host of the 138th Simpsons podcast. We're married and we both like to eat. And, and we, we have, have a, a podcast. podcast. On our show, we'll discuss the food we love, the meals we make, and drinks to go with it. So if you enjoy cooking, eating, or anything to do with food, check out our podcast, Let's Eat. Each week, we'll talk about a dish we made, what pairs with it, and all of our thoughts about food in general. Find our show wherever you get your podcasts, and you can find us on social media at Let's Eat Podcast. And you can email us at letseatpod at gmail.com. Let's Let's eat! And we're back. Today we're talking about Adventures in Baby Kidding, the third episode of the 24th season. It originally aired on November 4th, 2012. It is episode 511 in the show's run, just four episodes after our previous week's episode. Your nerd code is PABF18. It was written by Bill Odenkirk, directed by Rob Oliver, and your showrunner is Al Jean. Uh, we just had an episode with Bill Odenkirk. But two episodes back, right? We did. It was. Uh, yeah, we've talked about yeah, it quite we, a bit. The Mook, the Chef, the Wife, and her Homer. That was literally two episodes mm-hmm. ago. So yeah, Bill Oakley, love him, hate him, do whatever you want with him. He's yours now. Yep. Our title gag is Itchy is piloting an aeroplane with uh, Scratchy tied to the propeller, and our couch gag is outlines of the family on the sofa as encyclopedia-like overlays are shown, depicting the veins, then the organs, then the skeletal system, and the flesh and skin of the Simpson family, including Homer taking a donut out of his belly and eating it. Hmm, Steve, that's not the intro I saw, because I'm thinking back from my memory when I watched this live. It was completely different. Hmm, that's very interesting, because I watched it on Disney+, and that's what I got, so it must be the (laughs) truth, because it's Disney, and Disney tells the truth. Well, I too watched it on Disney+, but then... We did some more research, and uh, apparently there yeah. was a, when this originally aired, there was a clip of Homer going into a voting booth to pick for the 2012 presidential race between Mitt Romney and uh, Barack Obama. Uh, so we have mm-hmm. that clip, and I think we should play it. So this Sounds is the good. original intro. When it aired originally November 4th, 2012, presumably on, on Fox, Fox, two days before the election. Man, not another election. Why do we have to choose our leaders? Isn't that what we have the Supreme Court for? <laughs> if you're gonna vote, we'll need some photo ID. But I lived here all my life. Stopping all Americans from voting is for the protection of all Americans. But I'm a 40-year-old white guy who didn't go to college and gets all his news from monitors at gas stations. In you go! Barack Obama? I don't know. I already got one wife telling me to eat healthy. Plus, he promised me death panels and Grandpa's still alive. Mitt Romney? I hear he wears magic underpants. I expect the leader of the free world to go commando. Plus, his horse totally choked at the Olympics. On the other hand, he did invent Obamacare. Thank you for voting for Mitt Romney. You may now see his tax returns. Wow, medical deduction for personality implant? He's got six wives, all named Ann. The government paid him taxes for five years. I've got to tell the press. You are now being outsourced. Oh, I hate being sucked into tubes. Well, at least I got a steady job. I know this is a podcast and not a uh, visual <laughs> podcast. So a couple things. I guess visually, when he, at the end right there, when he's voting and he gets sucked into a tube and he lands into a plant making American flags and then Patty or Selma, I forget who comes down one of the tubes. That's why he goes dope because he has to work next to Patty <laughs> or Selma. So yeah, that was the original opening. It's interesting that they, well, I don't know if it's interesting that they cut it out of the Disney Plus. I guess it'd be nice to have, like, bonus features. I don't know if they'll ever do something like that. Yeah, they really should. And uh, in case we didn't mention it, it's because of the World Series that they had to cut that out. But it is funny how, even today, like, eight years later, like, all the things that he's talking about are still kind of relevant. And and I also think it's kind of funny, uh, the time we're recording this in 2020, just about a week after... By the way, not a political podcast. Not a political podcast. But after a week after the impeachment trials and the only Republican to vote against it was <laughs> Mitt Romney. 
And yeah. uh, now he's like looking good to fellow Democrats of like, hey, wait, <laughs> uh, we like you now. <laughs> like, you actually have common sense. Yeah. I mean, you're still a horrible garbage person, but right. good on you, buddy. I guess we're endorsing Mitt Romney in 2020. Yeah, I think that's the only <laughs> thing we're saying. Yeah. Because we can't have our Yang. Yang gang has been slain. No more campaign. What a pain. So, yeah, there's that clip. Hmm. And so let's uh, just start the old episode here. It begins with a Marge in a lovely sun hat filling her hummingbird Ooh. feeder with water and crusty brand sugar frosted cotton candy punch. This concoction mm. results into morbidly obese hummingbirds, one of which goes into a diabetic coma, falling on and knocking out a very hungry snowball, too. And as Marge puts away the hose, she notices that the faucet is dripping and asks Homer to fix it. He claims to be on it, but we then cut to the wintertime where Marge is shoveling snow and the dripping faucet continues to drip. Marge requests to her husband again, but he fixed the leak. Once again, he claims to be on it. So then we arrive in spring... And once again, Marge is studying that seasonal headgear, Steve. And she asks Homer if he will yeah. ever fix that damn faucet. And he says, for the third time this year, I'm on it. Oh, that Homer. Then we get a close-up of the water as it's leaking from the faucet to the ground. And we watch it fall through the earth, past the buried likenesses of Tracy Ullman era Simpsons and uh, the skeletons of a caveman riding a T-Rex. And finally, in a collected pool of underground water. I gotta say, going back to the... Marge nagging Homer the three times. I enjoyed that gag mm -hmm. because of the obvious punchline. Or not the I don't want to say it was obvious, but the punchline coming up was like, you assume that she was nagging him throughout the year, but it was just literally those three times. Yeah, that's I'm that's pretty funny. That joke. And then also now going in underground. I, I was one of the best things, but one of the fun things about The Simpsons is when they do the uh, panning up or down between Earth or the house, and there's always like fun artifacts. <laughs> and I kind of dug the uh, old Simpsons. Yeah. And then the caveman <laughs> riding the T Rex, which was fun too. You know, there's no rhyme or reason for The Simpsons to be there, but just kind of interesting, I guess. <laughs> An homage to the past, right. I feel. Back to the underground pool. The last metaphorical straw, Steve, is that drop that lands into that pool. Hmm. We then cut to March complaining about her husband. And Bart asks his mom why she didn't do his homework, which I thought was a fun scene. The mm -hmm. family car falls through the sinkhole caused by all that collected water. Oh, no. Lisa's face. It's the same. <laughs> thought that was a fun little joke to put in there. So, yeah, Bart mm -hmm. gets up with a good joke there at the beginning of this episode. And Marge is prepared for this and many other emergencies. She digs through her glove compartment and we see that she has... An earthquake kit? A tsunami a zombie kit. virus kit. And a sinkhole kit, which is uh, basically just a flight of inflatable stairs that lead to freedom from the sinkhole. As the family begins to ascend to the surface, Chief Wiggum falls to the rescue in his cop car. Kent Brockman is reporting on the happenings. Springfielders are getting that sinking feeling. <laughs> As the dangerous sinkhole continues to expand. Well, this sinkhole is larger than the Sarlacc pit, which swallowed Boba Fett. It is smaller than the Geonosis Battle Arena, where Jango Fett was beheaded by Mace Windu. Weren't those two places about the same size? I didn't know this was an ambush. Uh, you know, in this town, you learn to adjust to things. Runaway monorails, NASCAR star Jeff Gordon. Hey, Mo. Hey, <laughs> bet we never see him again. I'm gonna call it a day, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 that plank's only for coming in. <laughs> Try to land on the other traders. People of Springfield, please be cool, like Lou. Yo. We will eliminate one eyesore with another by bulldozing our tire fire right into the sinkhole. But my car's down there! Whole lot to unpack from that clip. I would like to start with the Chirons that are a lot of fun to me, including the everything and the kitchen sinks. Whole lot of hole and Cinco de Mayo. Craig, do you have any thoughts? I, uh... I do like the Star Wars reference, of course, but I also like mm -hmm. how Kent Brockman nonchalantly just brings it up, like his knowledge of Star Wars for some reason, <laughs> kind of dug sure. that. Um, I think Mo was great in there with the uh, NASCAR driver, and oh, we're guaranteed we're not going to see him again. I also like the uh, reference to the monorail right. going off the track good one. so many years ago. Uh, so yeah, it was a fun clip all together, and I feel bad for Marge's car. That's down there and buried, mm -hmm. but uh, we eventually see that car again in the future. <laughs> yes, we do, as people will complain about later. Um, so for the first time in Mayor Quimby's administration, a problem has been solved. We see uh, bulldozers pushing the flaming radials 
over the hull and construction workers quickly paving over the mess. Marge is forlorn by the loss of her vehicle. So outside Springfield Elementary, another school day has ended and Barton Melhouse are on said school bus when this happens. So just when my dad finishes his online degree in sinkhole engineering, they go and fill it in. Are the credits transferable? No. That guy has a bone to pick with the Board of Regents. Hey, Lisa's not getting on the bus. Where's she going? I don't know. Dork farm? Who cares? She never doesn't do what she's supposed to. This is major. Fine. We'll follow her. And follow her they do. And as Otto sees them not taking the bus, he does the same, walking off the moving vehicle and probably leaving the rest of the children to die. <laughs> so I got to say that was a great scene. I just like <laughs> Otto just like getting up and walking out. And then Wiggum was like, I'm on my way to car accident or something yeah. like that. <laughs> That was a very funny gag. Yeah. So Bart and Melhouse hiding in the bushes see Lisa hail a cab, Ooh. even though she might not know how much to tip. You know, I that. never did either. Yeah, guys, I never take cabs, so I don't know. Yeah, and now that there's like ride shares, it like gives you like eighteen, twenty, twenty five percent. Yeah. And usually I tip like five bucks, just kind of flat because I always get discounts, and five bucks seems nice. I never go that far. I got five stars, so I must be doing something right. There you go. Five bucks for five stars. There you go. So then the taxi speeds away, and out of Lisa's backpack, a single sheet of paper falls. Ooh. (gasps) What's it say, Steve? Well, the boys grab it and see that it reads, The five boxing wizards jump quickly. That sounds like a case for the detective pals. Milhouse uh, tries to get a cab of his own, but they never stop for blue heads. Poor Danny Glover. That's such a mystery. What? What? Five boxing wizards jump quickly? I just have no idea what's going on. Me neither. Well, so our next scene begins here at the Tissan Auto Dealership. I'm sure that's a play on Nissan, so <laughs> Tissan. Okay. Uh, where Marge is looking for a replacement for her beloved station wagon. Hello, ma'am. Are you and your husband here to look for a new car? No, I'm here to buy one myself. Uh-huh. Well, I think the Tissan Sensibla is the car for you. It's got all the features that a modern woman wants, including all manner of makeup mirrors. This car looks a little small. Is the engine powerful? Wow! Somebody knows her cars. This baby comes with an RX-12 two-cylinder. Well, that's odd, because the consumer website says the RX-12 two-cylinder has a dealer's invoice of fourteen seven. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to talk to my manager. This says you are the manager. Those websites are taking food out of my children's mouths. It says on your Facebook page you have no kids. I have two Yorkies, and I'll be talking about you to them tonight. Did the uh, car salesman look like a young Bill Clinton? Kind of did, and kind of uh, a little bit sounded like him, too. That was Harry Shearer's voice, right? Yeah, I think so. All right, well, that's just a weird tangent. Um, so the Simpsons have a new car. I did enjoy Marge knowing, you know, all the facts about shopping for the cars. And that whole scene with the car dealer, like, being like, oh, because she's a woman, she doesn't know anything. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, obviously Marge. Marge is a lot smarter, you know. She did go to public school. That's right. Uh, She's read The Great Gatsby. That's right. Um, and so, anyways, the new car and this exact amount of car for the family. Room for two adults, three kids, and zero grandpas. Nice. This gets Marge to thinking about her new purchase. At first, oh. she thinks she hears a rattle. She is perturbed by the smell of the equal. Lisa's like, it's a new car smell, Mom. And, yeah. Uh, Homer offers a solution by eating two chili dogs. He mm-hmm. literally only takes one bite of the chili dog <laughs> and then throws them both out. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't Pretty seem, wasteful. That doesn't seem like Homer would uh, waste food like that. Yeah. He like took half a bite of each one, so he could have just bought one cheese dog, one corn dog. <sighs> Cheese dog. Yeah. Chili dog. Second on chili dogs. Side of the tasty freeze. Or the quickie mark. And then uh, <laughs> pulling out a pack of Laramie cigarettes and smoking the entire pack in the car so his family can experience that secondhand smoke too. So nice. Uh, in the garage or car hole for you regular folk, uh, Marge is having a difficult time starting the T-Song. Homer, a.k.a. Automobile Von Bismarck, is able to start the engine with ease. Marge is concerned that she bought a lemon. Homer contemplates this in the garage as the car idles causing him sweet relief from his consciousness thanks to our friend CO2. So Homer commits suicide here. Yep, for a moment. Well, we go back to the dealership, and Marge expresses her concerns to the mechanic. The wipers wipe backwards, and the defroster lines on the back window are too close together. Excuse me. 
Sir, the car is fine. Can I be straight with you? Mm -hmm. As a mechanic, I'm not totally qualified to judge mental health. So you're not totally unqualified. I think the problem is in your wife's head. Mm -hmm. There's a psychological reason why she hates this car. Oh, a reason? What could it be? I'm sorry, but there's no diagnostic computer for the female mind. Wow, an auto mechanic who tells the truth. Hmm. If you want me to examine your wife overnight, I can arrange a loaner. She's an 83 Yugo. I don't do laundry or kiss boo-boos. That last joke there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that. A Yugo. So that's short for Yugoslavian. That was mm -hmm. a clever joke. Yeah. But rest so, of the clip, what do you think? I did like the interaction between the mechanic who's kind of got the uh, AO. Uh, yeah, that guy. And yeah, I like that he offered like some like legit advice. Yeah. Well, as Martin and Homer arrive home, the husband asks his wife if there's a reason, maybe a feelings reason, as to why she doesn't like her new ride. This causes Marge to have what we call a revelation. Well, maybe you and the car got off on the wrong foot. When do you think things first went wrong? Oh, right. I remember we all got in. And by the way, that back seat is pretty tight for the kids. I mean, I don't know what we'd do if we had another baby. <gasps> With this car, we're basically saying no more babies. No, no, Marge. I want you to explore your feelings. Homer, the reason I hate this car is I think I want another baby. An on-purpose baby? I do. Oh, I really wish I had fixed that faucet. So Marge wants another baby and feels that Stinky is growing up. Being a mother is who Marge is, Steve. Yes. And she doesn't want to be not be who she is. Homer is left speechless. So he whistles while he collects his thoughts. He doesn't want his life to change, but decides to go along with it, Marge, to make her happy. And to fuck. Yeah. Well, take a shower, because we're going to try it tonight. All right. Try it means sex. Woohoo! Homer, why do you take a three-second pause before you answer what I say? Just appreciating how lucky I am to be with you. What a wonderful thought. I, I like that clip of Homer taking some time to form his thoughts. I think we should probably all do that a little bit, especially this podcast, Steve. That's right. Well, the uh, couple go upstairs to have marital sex for its intended purpose, procreation. And we see that Bart is digging through Lisa's room, looking for clues to her mysterious after-school activities. Flummoxed by the thought of boxing wizards, Bart imagines a Harry Potter parody of Angelica Button being punched repeatedly by her magical archenemy. While wondering if she should be on a prescription for psychotic meds, he is greeted by the real Lisa. Bart, what are you doing in my room? Lowering your blinds. I'd hate for your carpet to fade. What do you do on Tuesdays and Thursdays after school? What do you do Tuesdays and Thursdays after school? Write stupid stuff on the chalkboard. And if you have any ideas, I'm really running out. Today's was mousetraps or not slippers or something. Now, what are you up to? A gentleman doesn't ask and a lady doesn't tell. Can I use that on the chalkboard? I guess. Gentleman doesn't ask, lady doesn't tell. Now all I need is one for Martin Luther King Day. I want to go back uh, real quick to the previous uh, moment when uh, Bart is imagining uh, Angelica Buttons getting punched by Dumbledore or whatever. Yeah. yeah. A, an old man punching a little girl is funny <laughs> to me. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they were wearing boxing gloves. Yeah, it's okay. They're sparring. Yeah, I mean, she should really just get a better left, or left upper hook or something. I did enjoy the uh, the Lisa and Bart exchange. Mm -hmm. The joke of the uh, chalkboard gags. And yeah. just being out of ideas. Like, <laughs> being I don't out know. of ideas. It was just a great uh, banter between those two characters known yeah. as Bart and Lisa. Simpson, that is. Well, Homer and Marge have been snuggling six ways from Sunday to no avail. They visit Dr. Hibbert to see if Homer has, uh, you know, working stuntmen in his cannon. The good doctor informs them that his jizz ain't so jazzy <laughs> and a fun visual of uh, Homer's sperm with uh, X's for eyes. Homer tries to lovingly get Marge to accept the fact that she'll just be stuck with the three children. I feel like there's a couple, like, good Homer dumb moments in this episode. Yeah. And the X's being one, and there's one coming up, too, that I actually enjoy. Yeah, I don't know. There's something really funny about the visual of the dead Homer sperm. <laughs> and just the classic X's with eyes. I love that. Yeah. All right, well, we go back to the 
Simpson's house, and uh, Bart has gathered all of Lisa's old boyfriends in his treat house to figure out what she's up to in the afternoon. Ralph, Milhouse, and Nelson decide to help Bart spy on his sister. Um, I didn't write it down, but I do enjoy that um, when Nelson is talking about how he made Lisa Carrier books, Milhouse gets pissed and walks away, saying that this truly is a treehouse of horrors. That was great. And then he falls out of... So he lands on a mattress, but it was actually just Abe. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> I also enjoyed the... If you look in the treehouse, too, mm-hmm. there's just a shit ton of nails everywhere like you're right i'm like, looking at it right now like um because homer i'm presumably built it and mm-hmm. he's terrible with crafts so of course you'd have nails sticking out everywhere and it's, yeah it's really not safe no it's not a safe <laughs> not a safe treehouse it huh. really is a treehouse of horror you're right millhouse yeah and of tendonitis uh so bark is bark bart <laughs> is in the park reading a play dude magazine with the boobs cut out of the cover model for better peeking as Lisa walks by, which I think is a fun visual, too. Yeah, they're in Chinatown, so Millhouse is hanging like a duck in the window of Crouching Panda, hidden a real Chinese restaurant. And we see Ralph and Nelson have disguised themselves as 1930s paper boys as they see Lisa go down a street elevator. An envelope falls out of her backpack. She should really secure her belongings better in the envelope. She's also littering. (laughs) That's true. That's not like her at all. No. Lisa. Uh, in the envelope, a single sheet of paper is revealed, and the handwritten text, Sphinx of Black Quartz, Judge My Vow, is written. What could ever that mean? Whatever could that mean? You know, I have no clue, Steve, but it's weird. There's a lot of interesting letters in this sentence. <laughs> hmm. What a fascinating uh, plot. So when Nelson and Ralph are dressed up as newsboys, mm-hmm. did Nelson put on a fake stash? like drawn on but it also looks like the lines you put under your eyes when you're playing like sports yeah and <laughs> i know it's a you said paper boys but what paper boy has a mustache and maybe they weren't supposed to be for paper boys but it seemed like they're trying to be 1930s something right like, so there's a reference here that i don't get because yeah it has uh they say like father o'malley or o'malley's coming to get us mm-hmm. so this is obviously a reference to something but the internet won't tell us yeah i'm guessing that it's like a strict like truant officer of a catholic school maybe who would be kids like maybe that i don't know i guess we could have done better research yeah but we didn't so here we are well this is the podcast we never do that that's right Marge and Homer look for solace at Moe's, and she openly shares their woes. The bartender, however, might have a solution. I can't believe we're never going to have another child. Is everything okay over here? Sorry, guys. Private family moment. No, it's okay. We can share this with you. Homer can't make a baby because he nuked his swimmers. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, that's why I wrap my plums in tinfoil every day. Yeah, nothing we can do. Hey, Homer. What if you got back one of those samples you sold years ago at the Shelbyville Sperm Bank? You never told me about that. It's true. That's how I got the money to buy you your necklace. Oh, ew. Homie, we still have a chance. Okay, Homer. This is the moment of truth. You've got to tell Marge you really don't want another kid. I, uh, hope it's twins. Eh, how bad could it be? So fun callback to uh, the episode title with the election being scared by Patty or Selma. Mm-hmm. Didn't get to see. So yeah, the twins would look like Patty and Selma apparently. Yep. <laughs> so the couple are on their way to the Shelbyville Fertility Clinic, and Marge has already thought up names for their potential offspring: Alex if it's a girl, Xander if it's a boy. So she just likes the name Alexander. That's it. Yeah. Right. Alexander Simpson. Yeah. I don't like that. Ooh, that'd be a fun game to play. Like if they were to have a kid, what would they name it? Hmm. I don't like any of those as a Simpson. No. Xander Simpson? No. Alex no. Alex Simpson sounds okay, but it's okay. It's not great though. Matt Graining have any other siblings? <laughs> I don't know. Well, anyways, Homer Worried decides to solve by taking the old historic Route 33, and after he runs over a skunk, we see that the route is full of roadside attractions, such as... The Cup Asleep Inn, a motel shaped like coffee urn and mugs. A giant rocking chair. No hard feelings, a house of pie shaped like a strawberry pie. The Museum of Christmas Ornaments, which Homer and March decided to stop at. Pelts, pelts, pelts. Candle with care. Fudgerama. Industrious Sally's Lazy Susans. <laughs> World's Largest Pebble. World's smallest boulder. 
the birthplace of Jesus, disputed, <laughs> Zipper Hall of Fame, and your one-stop doorstop shop, don't forget, Snow Globe World, and the Taj Meatball with the Statue of Shiva that may have once been Paul Bunyan. Steve, what was your favorite of those? I really liked uh, Industrious Sally's Lazy Susans. It's a fun thing to say. I do like Birthplace of Jesus Disputed. Yep, and just for the Portland connection, I like the Taj Meatball. We don't have one of those, but we do have a statue of Paul Bunyan. Right, and another shout-out to Futurama with Fudgerama. That's true. All right, so meanwhile, the boys have enlisted the one Armin Tanzirian, a.k.a. Principal Skippiner, Mm-hmm. To examine the going-ons of Lisa. Oh. Because without her grade, Springfield Elementary is no longer technically a school. The principal notices the clue the boys found has the blue reinforcements, just like his predecessor. Steve, you know who's the predecessor of Skinner? Was that Meredith Milgram? Of course. We all knew that. Yeah. And Craig, I don't know if you got any of, any of them, but in the background, they showed other predecessors of Springfield Elementary. And there's like a guy with like a paddle behind him. There's like just some other guys. And the only one that I could really get is the one right before Milgram, who looks like either Kurt Vonnegut or Mr. Cotter. <laughs> but I don't know of any others. So, All right, Steve. So I'm on that scene here and pausing it real quickly. It looks like the very first principal looks a lot like Edgar Allan Poe. I thought about that. Yeah. Uh, the second one, just a very stir. It looks like uh, uh, Charlie Oof. Rose. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a paddle in the background, too. <laughs> Sounds like him. Uh, the third one looks uh, like a military guy. He also looks like the gym teacher who does bombardment. Yeah. Ooh, let's pitch that episode that he used to be the principal and Ooh, now he's he got, a gym teacher. <laughs> he got hit. He yeah. like hit a kid too hard or something. <laughs> yeah. And then the next, the fourth one looks like Mr. Carter. Yeah. Definitely. And then uh, Principal Milgram just looks uh, kind of like a female version of Skinner. A little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. If you were to cast her in a movie, who would you cast her as? Hmm. I would go with Nicole Kidman. Oh. The same makeup artist that <laughs> uh, from Bombshell. Yeah, I think that'd be good. Maybe I'm going to go with uh, Jane Fonda. There you go. I'm Fonda of Jane Fonda. Uh-huh. All right. Well, anyways, back to the episode, Steve. The principal, the boys, and Otto mm-hmm. visit Miss Milgram. A quick movement of the enemy will jeopardize six gunboats. That's about three more jeopardized gunboats than I'd expect. Thank God we brought the bus driver. <laughs> Seymour, what are you doing here? Taking four children across town to investigate a piece of paper we found on the ground. Don't you have better things to do? Sadly, no. Same old Seymour. I know why they're here. Because they can't let me have a secret. It drives them crazy. Cursive writing. I'm learning cursive. All these sentences have every letter of the alphabet in them. Ooh, don't they teach those fancy squiggles at school? Uh, we do not. Outmoded, no room in the budget, and all the teachers forgot how to make a capital Q. Two loops and a flourish. Luckily, a few brave students still want to learn. I hope you're happy. You all just wasted your time working your way into an after-school class. What fun. Well, it looks like that's the B story wrapped up, Steve. Yep, that's it. That's the whole thing. Lisa's Uh, learning cursive. Did you learn cursive in school uh we learned italics which is similar i was historically bad at it to the point that i made a teacher cry one time because i was so bad at it and she just could not get my stupid hands to make stupid letters and so they just eventually gave up on me i was a smart kid but i i just can't write no we didn't learn italics we did actually learn cursive from what i hear they don't actually teach cursive anymore i guess how often do you write in your daily life like script i mean all i do is sign for things yeah. And that's about it. Right. And sometimes if I try to like write two words, my hand hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll write like little notes to myself or like supply lists that I need to get from the warehouse or whatever. Sure. Okay, writing down like grocery list lists. Even that like... I do on my phone. I guess I've started doing that too with notepad. Yeah. But I can still write cursive. That's impressive. I cannot. So yeah. good on you. I can write curse words in cursive. Damn hell ass. Back to our A-plot. Um, as the sun sets, Homer and Marge are surprised to learn that they spent the whole day at the Ornament Museum. On the plus slide, plus side, Homer got to try every flavor of candy cane, white and red. They decide that they should check into a motel for the night. There's plenty of more 
candy cane flares and just red and white, Steve. It's true. There's the gross chocolate ones. There's spearmint. There's the cherry-flavored ones that are all rainbow-colored. I like those. I think Jolly Rancher has like a bunch of candy cane flavors. As does Starburst. Or Starburst. Maybe that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's I think the Yeah, so. Homer, you're wrong. Or he just hasn't been exposed. And if we tell him, he's going to just jizz all over the place. I didn't realize he cared so much about candy canes. That's candy. It's Homer. It's food. Fair enough. And he does love... He just loves jizzing everywhere, too. Clearly. Jizz don't work. (laughs) Title this episode, Jizz Don't Work. Jizz Don't Work. (laughs) Um, So, anyways, they opt for the uh, Nook of the North, an ice place to stay despite the fact that the ice machine is broken. Once checked in and Marge is uh, horny for Homer, is confused by a stuffed walrus for Mm -hmm. her husband, much like the Kevin Smith movie Tusk. Yeah. Kind of looks like uh, Justin Long. Uh, anyways, <laughs> the, uh, the couple, fuck. Aww. And afterwards, uh, Marge and Homer discuss their feelings. Oh, it sure was nice to have a day together as a couple. Yeah, no kids to ruin it. I thought the whole point of this trip was to have another baby. Marge, I was just being a good husband by pretending to agree with you while secretly undermining your agenda. So you don't want another baby? How long have you felt this way? Uh, well, looking back, I guess it started sometime before Bart was born. Uh. Room for one, please. I do like Homer's honesty of back before Bart was born. Yeah. And I also like the idea of him being a good husband by suppressing his feelings and then undermining his wife's wishes. That's what a good husband would do, Steve. Homer is uh, thrown out and forced to stay at the Doghouse Motor Lodge, where he receives his bone chew toy and a key around a collar. Uh, There's a few more uh, motels on that street, including the Love Nest, uh, which is shaped like a birdhouse and several nests. There's Krusty's Hot Tub, which has a sign depicting Krusty in a hot tub with binoculars examining a woman as she exposed her breasts, like right in front of him. So why with binoculars? (laughs) Don't get it. That's a good point. (laughs) And the uh, M. Night Shyamalan Flop House. So Marge and Homer drive away from the historic route with Marge angrily driving at Homer, attempting to explain himself, saying they have a hard enough time with three kids they already have. They end up stopping at a diner where Homer sees a father with four kids, and he might have a change of heart. They just leave the maple syrup on the table, huh? How about that? That's trust, huh? Shush! Now, kids, help your brother Xander. There he is. The fat, pathetic slob I'd be with four kids. Where's Daddy? Where'd Daddy go? Here he is. (laughs) Oh, right. That dad was there all along. Phew. That was so sweet. Maybe there's no such thing as too many kids. I know what Homer's thinking. He's thinking that he really wants a baby now. So this should be the time, ironically, that I'll change my mind and not want one. Well, no way. I want one more than ever. I like Homer being fooled by Peekaboo. Oh, yeah. That was just a great line delivery of, oh, the father was there the whole time. And uh, I also like the expressions on their faces because there's there's a lot of, like, inner dialogue going on. Mm -hmm. And how Homer's looking at, like, oh, maybe this is a good deal. And, like, Marge looking at Homer. She's got a nice smile. Like, oh, maybe he does care. And then when she does her whole spiel, then she just gets that angry growl face. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So the Simpsons finally arrive at the Shelbyville Sperm Bank. And after Homer worries that he didn't... Didn't rewind the tape the last time he was there. I thought it was funny. They go inside to request a return of a donation by Homer Simpson, or perhaps Fad Super Sperm. Uh, Marge gives Homer a final opportunity to back out. Homer, this is the point where I really have to know what you want. I'll tell you what I want, Marge. I want to make another Simpson. The table with four legs is sturdier than the table with three. Cubes are made of cheese, but pyramids are schemes. And anything that's half you is guaranteed 50% perfect. Oh, nice speech. But the last of your sample was just selected by another couple. Are you sure there isn't more? I mean, there's always a little ketchup left in the bottle. I'm afraid not. But the couple is waiting in the room there. Maybe you can talk them into something else. Oh, I'd like to buy back my sample. Are you saying... Our sample came from you? Here, it's yours. We don't need it. Oh, I expect a little argument. No, no, no. Look in the mirror. That's your argument. Jeez, 
I mean, I'm no Louise Guzman, but I'm all right. I don't think the uh, sperm bank employee would. <laughs> That's highly unethical. <laughs> it really is like, oh, yeah, just go talk to those people. They're the ones who have the last of it. It's Simpsons logic. Yeah. Uh, I, I like Homer's speech about, you know, a. Uh, it first starts really sweet about a four legged stool being stronger than a three legged stool <laughs> and how cubes are made of cheese, but pyramids are schemes. And also the imagery of there's always a little ketchup left in the bottle is real gross. But sometimes yeah. you can't get to that leftover ketchup. You just have to let it go. I just stick a knife in there and <laughs> dig around. Are we talking about sperm still? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. Um, also in that clip, we saw uh, Thad Super Sperm's donor profile, which shows that he has a high school diploma, almost. <laughs> um, his major accomplishment is that he can drive a stick. His turn on is short walks to the beach, and his turn off or long walks on the beach. So as Homer fills out some paperwork, Marge examines the brag board and sees baby after baby of all shapes, sizes, genders, and races. The one thing they all have in common is that mm. they all resemble her husband, Homer. Homer, how many samples did you sell? Uh, remember that Corvette I had? I thought they only paid $50 a trip. Exactly. Well, we're all set. Let's make a Thad Super Sperm Jr. With a name like that, he could be president. Homie, maybe we should wait. What? Maybe there's enough Homer in the world for now. Yeah, but I was really looking forward to... Oh, oh boy. Yeah. You're right, Marge. I don't want to bring more kids into a world full of my kids. Yeah! So I'm going to punch some numbers here real quick. Sure. So they said that it was uh, 17 years ago that he donated all that sperm. And so that would be 1995. Okay. The manufactured suggested retail price of a Corvette two-door coupe is 36785 So we divide that by 50. Homer gave sperm 735 times. Now, from what I've heard about sperm banks, and mm-hmm. this is not a first-town account, very first hard to, no pun intended, to donate sperm. You have to be a certain breed of man. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Homer's physiology, I don't think they would accept him. No, especially not 735 times. Although, granted, when he did donate it, he did have hair. Mm-hmm. And he did say that he's like 190 pounds. Yeah. And six foot, so that's pretty good. So Homer was, based on that, attractive back in the day. Yeah. Before kids, essentially. I mean, we saw that scene, of course, where he always pulls his hair out when he finds out Marge is pregnant. Mm-hmm. But he was always kind of a chubby kid, too. Yeah. Oh, interesting, interesting. So, Steve, you were donated to a sperm bank. I have not. I keep it to myself. Or to the uh, various right. sheets. Sure. What about you? Where's your cum gun? <laughs> Where's your cum gun? Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> We're not that kind of podcast. No. Is this a weird, like, new canon thing now that Homer, there's just a bunch of Homer kids around? I'm sure it never gets brought up again. Probably not, but didn't Barney do the same thing? And aren't there a bunch of Barney kids? Oh, yeah. Barnacles. Yeah. Anyway, so that's kind of like the end of the episode, but we actually then cut to the Skytop Drive-In, where they're showing the 3D release of the Itchy and Scratchy movie, where you can see what you saw before, except it costs more. And uh, (laughs) Homer and Marge pull up in the car, and they just buy a two-dual ticket, so it's just, I guess they're still on their date with them. And uh, once parked, oh wait, they pop up the truck and reveal the three Simpsons children ready for the film with their... 3D glasses already on? Like, where'd they get those? They, they probably, like, saved them from the last time they go to 3D movies, right? Yeah. I know if, mm-hmm. if you ever go to 3D movies, you always have to, re- or you don't have to, but they always have the bin out to recycle them. Right. Homer mentions how this would be harder with the four children, and Marge explains that she pays for the children's movie tickets the next day. She writes a check. The family enjoys the 3D antics of the cat and the mouse, and then all of a sudden, an octet of Homer babies pulls aside the family. Homer and the toddler share a collective annoyed grunt. And uh, we cut to a curse of credits. Oh, uh, that's our show. That is the show. 3D re-release of Itchy and Scratchy movie. I thought hmm. Bart wasn't allowed to see that movie. I know. <laughs> I hope somebody got fired for that blunder. Also, this might be naive of me. Are there a lot of 3D movies in drive throughs I would think not. I think it'd be hard to do, but I, I, don't, I, don't, I honestly don't know. I don't know. I didn't grow up in the 3D age of like the 50s and where they might have done that in the age of drive-ins too. So yeah, uh, I know 3D is still around, but I don't know who still goes to 3D movies. Yeah, I mean at this time it was kind of still in the height of it. Yeah, the whole Avatar stuff and yeah, I never liked it. It's every time you watch a 3D movie for me, like 
multiple times I have to take the glasses off and like rub my eyeballs. Right, and as a wearer of glasses anyway, mm-hmm. it's really disturbing to have to wear two pairs of glasses. Yeah, <laughs> way to go, six eyes. <laughs> That's right. They just need to literally invent 3D movies where you don't have to wear glasses. Yeah. I don't know how that works, but... What if there are like Star actual Trek people on the... stage yeah. <laughs> doing the actions? A play. It's like, yeah, it's like they're playing in front of you. That's that's the future. All right, Steve, so let's shut up and take a break and come back and finish this episode up. Sounds like a plan. We'll be right back. And that's that. Another story in the classic, infallible three-act structure. Good enough for Aristotle, good enough for The Simpsons. And we're back. Craig, let's... uh. Talk about our quotes, our t-shirt tubes, and uh, maybe some exterior quotes, and uh, maybe play a game. All right, sounds like a great idea. Well, visually for me, this episode for like a shirt or tattoo, mm-hmm. watching it and discussing with you, I think I know what yours are going to be. Okay. So I'm going to adjust mine a little bit. Um, I think it was the scene in the car. There's two visual things I liked that I almost would like on a t-shirt. One was the beginning where we saw the old Tracy Ullman Simpsons buried on the ground. Mm-hmm. I figured you could screen cap that and put that on a t-shirt. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'd buy it. The other is maybe a callback to a previous imagery of, of Homer with an entire pack of cigarettes in his mouth and him lighting it as the file photo. And then they kind of bring it back when he puts all the cigarettes in his mouth. I don't know. I just like that image of Homer with... Just a pack of cigarettes in his mouth. There you go. That's my shirt. All right. Well, my shirt is one thing and one thing only. These days, print t-shirts are all the rage. You know, you see those kids with the pizza shirt that's just a close-up of a pizza or the ramen. I want a shirt that's just uh, Homer's sperm all over it. Oh, yeah. That's... I mean, I mean the dead sperm. Just like, <laughs> yeah. just like that image. Just like all over. Oh. Like maybe a button-up short sleeve shirt. But all in the entire... It covers the entire shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Our store doesn't do that sort of thing. I know. Uh, now I want that shirt. Well, uh, do cl- some research about that. Because that would yeah. be kind of easy to do. The close second would be uh, the man punching the woman. <laughs> What the uh, the uh, the the Snape guy from Oh Angela, <laughs> you, Angelica Buttons? You said uh, the, the man punching the woman. Yeah, wasn't Ike Turner in this episode? Uh, oh <laughs> no, but the image that Bart yeah, had of the Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. that was a good one too. <laughs> That's the one I thought you were going with. Yeah, I, I surprised you with sperm. For quotes and my MVJ. I kind of said throughout there was uh, Homer being kind of silly in this episode. I mean, he's always silly, but mm-hmm. I, I did like, you know, when he's in the, the diner and he's looking at the other father saying, where's daddy? Where'd daddy go? There he is. And then Homer's like, oh, right. That dad was there all along. That's probably one of my favorite quotes. But I think for me, and I'm going to give it to MBJ for this one, too. We played a couple of his clips. I think Bart was pretty good in this episode. And with that, one of my favorites was, well, in the beginning, Bart screaming at Lisa's face. Like, oh, no, Lisa's face is exactly the same. But my favorite exchange was when Lisa was, when Bart was in Lisa's room. And Lisa was like, what do you do in my room? And Bart says, just came back to check on your shades. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so when Bart says, what do you do Tuesdays and Thursdays after school? And then Lisa <laughs> rebuttals with, what are you doing? And he says, mostly writing on a chalkboard. I'm open to suggestions. Seriously, I'm starting to run up ideas. And then, you know, the exchange of a lady never tells a joke. Everyone asks, that's good. Can you sit with a chalkboard? Yeah, I don't know. That exchange, that was probably my favorite. Yeah, uh, I really liked uh, that moment in the fertility clinic when Homer has that little dialogue about this speech about the stool with four legs being stronger than three and the cheese and pyramid and how it starts sweet and then it gets kind of dumb. Um, That was really funny, but I think I have to agree with you completely that Bart is the MVJ and the line, um, any idea, I'm really running out, like you mentioned, today's was mousetraps or not slippers or something. Like, the <laughs> fact that he doesn't even remember what the chalkboard gag is. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's the winner. Right. All right, Bart, you win. Do we have a sound clip for that? Uh, you win. Hurrah. All right, well, how about a little trivia from this episode? All righty. I'll let you know, Steve, oh. that the broadcast syndication number is PABF18, which you mentioned in the top of the show, mm-hmm. which also happens to be the light license plates number of the new car march buys oh interesting yeah well i'll have you know that in the season 21 episode oh brother where bart thou Marge and homer both agreed that they didn't want a kid and yet here they are wow we haven't got to that episode yet steve not yet eventually probably 
will be the next episode. Stay tuned and find out. <laughs> it probably won't be. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, this title is a reference to the movie Adventures in Babysitting with Elizabeth Shue. One of my, one of my favorite 80s movies. Yeah, it's a little problematic nowadays with the blue stuff, but it's a good movie. Yeah. I happen to recall a time many years ago where... There was a podcast that you and I did, and we did a whole episode about Adventures of Babysitting and the theoretical sequel of that. I do remember that. It was a fun podcast concept that uh, maybe one day we'll bring him back, Steve. We never, we don't know. Maybe. A couple of things, make, speaking of making comebacks, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Negrol was also seen in Postcards from the Wedge. So this is the second time that was parried. And uh, Cinco de Mayo was also used before in the Hee Haw Couple. Yeah. This is the third episode where Homer's sperm appears. The first two being Brother Can You Spare Two Dimes and and Maggie Makes Three. We do need a Homer sperm shirt. I wonder if that actually is a shirt. I could look that up. <laughs> but I, I'm afraid to type in Homer sperm on my uh, computer. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess we'll get on to reviews. I uh, found a fun review here. We like to peruse the internet for external reviews. We also uh, start looking up Reddit and what Redditors have to say. But um, I'll start here with good old TV.com review. This was by True TV Watcher, and here's their review. Adventures in Baby Getting was a great episode of The Simpsons, and I really enjoyed watching because it really tackles some real issues people face today. Ooh. What episode is he watching? Anyways, <laughs> most noteworthy, in my opinion, is the fact that the majority of schools are no longer teaching cursive writing. <laughs> I won't get into the various other things that schools are doing you wouldn't believe. I like the character growth and depth of Marge and Homer. It was fun watching Bart and Milhouse investigated Lisa's mysterious rendezvous after school on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Ooh. I liked how everything played out and the ending was funny. <laughs> I look forward to more episodes! The reason I point out a review is the uh, real issues people face today. Not teaching cursive in school. Yeah. Serious stuff. I mean, now we're getting to be a political podcast, Steve. Yeah, I think we are. <laughs> how about Reddit? What do we got over on Reddit? Well, Whackjob, seven years ago, said, Is no one else bothered that Bart just saw the Itching Scratchy movie? This ruins everything more than that stupid 90s episode. And Brad C, <laughs> Brad C responds, Yeah, I came here to see that. They just rewrote Simpsons canon tonight by letting him see the movie. Steve, when you were watching this episode, did that even come to your mind when they watched Itching Scratchy in 3D? Nope. The whole... Not- I mean, ser- I mean, yeah, post the seven years. Guys, canon of Simpsons isn't a thing. Yeah. I um, mean, really, the 90s show, like, yes, when that 90s show came out, like, we were angry fanboys when that happened. Yes, we were also 23. Right. And I imagine these guys were hopefully younger. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> or they were probably, in fact, isn't Whacked Job your Reddit handle? Oh, not and anymore. I, and I am Brad C., <laughs> Other than that, some guy, the walking dude, said, let's not forget Homer and Marge. We're surprised that Homer was uh, infertile. This directly contradicts Brother Kenny Spirit <laughs> Dimes, as well as eight misbehaving in which Homer knew he was sterile from the nuclear power plant. Well, Whackjob has a response. Uh, he just talked that up to Homer's alcoholism and general stupidity. It never shows Homer being super surprised. Maybe he was just putting on that act for Marge. Yeah. All right, well, that's some Hmm. fun external reviews, what people thought of this episode. How about us? Huh, how about us? Well, I guess I'll start here with my review. It was a perfectly... uh, Perfect's not the right word. Okay, the A story of of wanting another kid, the fertility thing, I think it's a solid idea. And I think Mm -hmm. Bill had a good idea going in. The B story with the cursive hand, like this, this whole plot was literally like us doing a episode (laughs) where we're at random because they just take characters like, well, what are we gonna do with these characters this week? It was just your, your middle of the run Simpsons episode. There was a couple fun visual gags and a few funny stuff. Like it was the bar had a couple good lines. Homer had some good lines. I think even too, we didn't talk about Marge at the car dealership was a good scene. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just felt like the B story of Lisa and the cursive. It's kind of a weak story. 
And yeah. the A story was more solid, but altogether, it didn't really create a memorable episode for me. That being said, the average male will produce roughly 525 billion sperm cells over a lifetime, uh, based on the internet here. So out of 525 billion, I give this episode three sperms. Wow. Okay. It's just, uh, yeah, It's I think it's a, an episode that... And we was bringing it up. If you'd watch it on TV, I don't think I would. It's a pass. I, I don't think I'd go back to this episode. I think it tried to do some sentimental stuff, but in the end, I just, yeah, I just didn't feel it. Yeah. So I'll say that when, oh, so many year ago, when we talked about doing this podcast, I was really worried about this era where they made fake uh, sentiment and kind of flat humor. Frankly, this episode was as powerful as Homer's sperm for me in that it was not very powerful at all. I completely agree with you on the B-plot. Like, it was not interesting. The reveal of she's doing cursive was not that exciting, nor was the build-up for it. If they built it up really big and then let you down, it would be something. But the build-up wasn't even that good. Um, yeah, there were a couple of good visual gags. I like the Kent Rockman segment, but all in all, uh, this episode fell flat for me. I didn't really enjoy it in general. I laughed a few times, but... I watched it three times, and reviewing it with you, I got the most joy out of it, <laughs> just because we found some like things to laugh at that we both laughed at, and I like it now more than I did before we started recording, but I still didn't like it that much. Mm-mm. Would I watch it if it were on TV? Probably not. Um, would I recommend it? No. Uh, so I said that uh, Homer donated sperm 735 times. I will say I give this two donations of sperm out of 735. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, also, one more thing that I forgot to bring up. Mm-hmm. The whole B-plot of the cursive. Yeah. And they're not teaching in Springfield Elementary. Yet, all the kids were able to read Lisa's handwriting <laughs> that was in cursive. That's a good point, especially considering when Bart went to Canada. Or no, when he, not when, when he went to Canada. When uh, in the episode with uh, Scorpio, when they went to the other city. He only moved twice. Exactly. He didn't know cursive then. But he knew, yeah, exactly. The curse yeah, words. Right. Which we referenced earlier in this podcast. But yeah, mm-hmm. there's the big glaring elephant. Glaring elephant. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. So that's our review. Uh, see, we have some time left. Yeah. I thought it would be fun to, uh, before we find out what we're watching next week, is put on a performance for our Ooh, listeners. That sounds like fun. All right. Well, I found a website called plot-generator.org.uk. It's almost like a Mad Libs where we inputted information and then they create a script for us. And I want to see how this works. So I previously talked to Steve to fill out all the things so um, we don't have to hear us filling out the information because that'd be boring. Mm-hmm. So we had we spun for characters like we do when we're creating our own episode and we have our characters and then we just inserted pretty much like adjectives and, and nouns and things that the this plot generator website asked us to do. So Without a further ado, Steve and I will be reading from an AI-generated Simpsons script. Now, it's not going to be 20 minutes. It's only going to be like five minutes of your time. So please listen. And uh, we're reading this cold, too. So we don't know. Yeah. We have not gotten there yet. Right. Without further ado, here is from the AI plot generator script called Tough Lard Lad, a screenplay by the Annoyed Grunt Boys. Interior, Moe's Tavern, afternoon. Frustrated volunteer nurse Miss Lisa Simpson is arguing with wet fire truck Mr. Ralph Wiggum. Lisa tries to hug Ralph, but he shakes her off. Please, Ralph, don't leave me. I'm sorry, Lisa, but I'm looking for somebody a bit more brave. Somebody who faces her fears head on instead of running away. I am such a person, Ralph frowns. I'm sorry, Lisa. I just don't feel excited by this relationship anymore. Ralph leaves. Lisa sits down, looking defeated. Moments later, innocent guinea pig Grandpa Abe Simpson barges in, looking flustered. Goodness, Abe, is everything okay? I'm afraid not. What is it? Don't keep me in suspense. It's a lard lad. I saw an evil lard lab cover them in hot oil, a bunch of orphans. Defenseless orphans? Yes, defenseless orphans. Bloomin' heck, Grandpa. We've got to do something. I agree, but I wouldn't know where to start. You can start by telling me what has happened. I was... Abe fans himself and begins to wheeze. Focus, Grandpa, focus. Where did it happen? Town Square! That's right, Town Square! Lisa runs up and begins to run. Exterior shot of a road, continuous. Lisa rushes along the street, followed by Abe. They take a short cut through some back gardens, jumpy fences along the way. <laughs> we get to an exterior Town Square shortly after. Nelson Muntz. A tough lard lad terrorizes two orphans. Lisa, closely followed by Grandpa, rushes toward Nelson, but suddenly stops in her tracks. What is it? 
What's the matter? That's just not any old lard lad. That's Nelson Muntz. Who's Nelson Muntz? Who's Nelson Muntz? Who's Nelson Muntz? <laughs> Only the most tough lard lad in the universe. Bikini knickers, Lisa. We're going to need some help if we're going to stop the most tough lard lad in the universe. You can say that again. Blinkin' bikini knickers, Lisa. We're going to need some help if we're going to stop the most tough lard lad in the universe. I'm going to need boards with nails in them. Lots of boards with nails in them. <laughs> Nelson turns and sees Lisa and Abe. He grins an evil grin. Nelson. Lisa Simpson, we meet again. Abe, you've met? Yes, it was a long, long time ago. Exterior, a park, back in time. A young Lisa is sitting in the park, listening to some jazz music. But suddenly, a dark shadow casts over her. She looks up and sees Nelson. She takes off her headphones. Nelson, would you like some carrot? Lisa's <laughs> eyes light up, but then he studies Nelson more closely and looks uneasy. She's going to marry a carrot. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. You look kind of tough. Me? No, I'm not tough. I'm the least tough lard lad in the world. Wait, you're a lard lad? Lisa runs away, screaming, Ah! So exterior town square, present day. Nelson, you were a coward then, and you're a coward now. Oh, Abe, to Lisa, you ran away? To Grandpa. I was a young child. What was I supposed to do? Lisa turns to Nelson. I may have run away from you then, but I won't run away this time. Lisa runs away. <laughs> she turns back and shouts. I mean, I'm running away, but I'll be back with boards and nails in them. That actually sounds like a Simpsons joke. <laughs> Nelson's, uh, I'm not scared of you. You should be. That's literally a Simpsons joke. Hey, good job, robot. Yeah. Anyways. Interior. Yeah. Uh, interior. Springfield. General Hospital. Later that day. Lisa and Abe are walking around searching for something. I sure, I, I'm sure, I feel I sure it left my boards with nails in them somewhere around here. Abe, are you sure it doesn't seem like an odd place to keep a deli boards with nails in them? You know nothing, Abe Simpson. <laughs> We've been searching for ages. I really don't think they're here. Suddenly, Nelson appears, holding a pair of boards with nails in them. <laughs> Looking for something? Crikey, Lisa, he's got your boards with nails in them. Tell me something I don't already know. The Earth's circumference of the equator is about 40,075 kilometers. I know that already. <laughs> I eat flowers. Dude! <laughs> While Nelson is looking at Abe with disgust, Lisa lunges forward and grabs her deadly boards with nails in them. He wields them triumphantly. Prepare to die, tough tomacco. No, please. All I did was cover them in hot oil, a bunch of orphans. Ralph enters, unseen by any of the others. Lisa. I cannot tolerate that kind of behavior. Those orphans were defenseless. Well, now they have a defender, and that's me, Lisa Simpson, defender of innocent orphans. Nelson, don't hurt me, please. Give me one reason why I shouldn't use these boards with nails in them on you right away. Nelson, because, Lisa, I am your father. Lisa looks stunned for a few moments, but then collects herself. <laughs> no, you're not. Ah, well... It had to be worth a try. Nelson tries to grab the boards with the nails on them, but Lisa dodges out of the way. Who's daddy now? Huh? Huh? Unexpectedly, Nelson slumps to the ground. Abe, did he just faint? I think so. Well, that's disappointing. I was rather hoping for a more dramatic conclusion involving my deadly boards with nails in them. Lisa crouches over Nelson's body. Abe, be careful, Lisa. It could be a trick. No, it's not a trick. It appears that, it would seem, Nelson Muntz is dead. What? Yeah. It appears that I scared him to death. So your boards with nails... And them did save the day after all. Ralph steps forward. Is it true? Did you kill the tough lard lad? Ralph, how long have you been? Ralph Lisa. puts his arms around Lisa. Long enough. Then you saw it for yourself. I killed Nelson Muntz. Then the orphans are safe? It does seem that way. A crowd of vulnerable orphans enter, looking relieved. You are their hero. The orphans bow to Lisa. There's no need to bow to me. I seek no worship. The knowledge that Nelson Bunce will never cover them in hot oil orphans will, will ever again is enough for me. You are a humble as well as brave. One of the orphans passes Lisa a valuable Lisa's necklace. <laughs> I think they want you to have it as a symbol of their gratitude. I couldn't possibly. Well, if you insist, Lisa takes Lisa's necklace. Thank you. The orphans bow their heads once more and leave. Lisa turns to Ralph. Does this mean you want me back? Oh, Lisa, of course I want you back. Lisa smiles for a few seconds, then looks defiant. Well, you can't have me. What? You had no faith in me. You had to see me scare a lard lad to death before you would believe in me. I don't want to love her like that. But... Please leave. I don't want to spend time with one person who stayed with me through thick and thin. My best friend, Grandpa. Abe grins. But you heard the lady. Now be off with you. Get a new shoe, <laughs> Ralph. Lisa! Sorry, Ralph, but I think you should skedaddle-dee-doo. Ralph leaves. Abe turns to Lisa. Did you mean that? You know, that I'm your best friend? Of course you are, Grandpa. The two walk arm in arm. Suddenly, Abe stops. Abe, when I said I eat flowers, 
You know I was just trying to distract the lard light, don't you? The end. And that's the robot story. That was a lot of fun. I'm sorry for my lack of voices, but that was uh, well done. <laughs> well done, computer. All right, there's our story. Should we find out what we're watching next week, Steve? Yes, let's do it. Let's uh, bust out that wheel of random. Doo-doo. Season 30. Season 30. And let's spin that wheel for the episode. Episode 7. Season 30, episode 7. It's entitled Working Mom. Marge wants the job and stumbles into becoming a plastic food storage container selling drag queen. Uh, Lisa tries to make the world a better place in the style of Amelie. Originally aired <laughs> November 18th, 2018. On Amelie reference from 2018. Nice. Timely Simpsons. Timely. <laughs> yep. And uh, RuPaul. And we get a Scott Thompson as Grady again. Oh, cool. We know Grady. That's great to be. Uh, I'll be fine watching that episode. All right. Well, uh, come back next week and watch it with us. But in the meantime... There's a couple called actions here. Mm-hmm. We got some merch up in the store. You just got to go to tpublic.com slash user slash annoyed grunt boys. We also are on social medias of the Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at 13 Simpsons. And we'd like you to please go to your podcatching app if available and leave five stars if you want and write a review. It doesn't even have to be a review. Just write your favorite Simpsons quote. Could be, I like muffins. Or another Simpsons quote that's actually funny. Um, and you can always email us at 13simpsons at gmail.com. And I have been half an annoyed grunt boy, Craig. And I have been half an annoyed grunt boy, Steve. Remember, keep watching the skies. Homer's sperm. Follow me, but be warned. There's no permission slip for what we're doing. Hi, I'm Laura Lutz, co-host of the Glow and Tell podcast. And I'm Steve Lutz, co-host of the 138 Simpsons podcast. We're married and we both like to eat. And And we we have have a podcast. podcast. On our show, we'll discuss the food we love, the meals we make. And drinks to go with it. So if you enjoy cooking, eating, or anything to do with food, check out our podcast, Let's Eat. Each week, we'll talk about a dish we made, what pairs with it, and all of our thoughts about food in general. Find our show wherever you get your podcasts, and you can find us on social media at Let's Eat Podcast. And you can email us at letseatpod at gmail.com. Let's Let's eat. eat!